Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you so much again for coming to listen to the audio that we have here and all that's going on here on Sermon Audio. You know, Sermon Audio has been a blessing. They, they've just continually improved their programs and processes and services and all that they have uh, available to us. And uh, so you'll find everything just about exclusively here. Now, it, it, it goes out in podcast form online, and so that it is available there as as well for those of you who listen to podcasts. But um, we've just primarily and exclusively been putting things on sermon audio and, um, and it's been a blessing. It's been great. I don't have to worry about 25 different platforms and all those different things to, to keep up with. And, and, uh, and, and many of those platforms hate us anyway. So <laughs> it's just a blessing to have somewhere with an audience that's looking for Bible teaching and Bible preaching and, um, missions updates and, and anything to do with, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so that's a tremendous blessing. But it's been a while, so I've been able to bring you an update uh, in audio, video, or even in written form. Uh, it's been a tremendously busy few months, and uh, so I appreciate your patience, and and uh, thank you for staying alongside us. It's a blessing. Uh, I'm going to go through our June update. Uh, the the April and May prayer letters will be on our website, and and uh, I'll probably also pass those along via email to those of you who subscribe to to our emails. But we're we're going to focus today on on June, though I may uh, I'm going to step back a little bit and just mention a few brief important details from the last two prayer letters. In both April and May, uh, we were able to go down into Rwanda. Those of you who were uh, who had us come on deputation, you may remember that our presentation majored on two countries, Uganda and Rwanda. And um, we're really just now getting to a point where we can get down into Rwanda. Um, relationships between Rwanda and Uganda have been touchy over the past few years. And uh, then that compounded by COVID-19 and all the, uh, the silly debacle that that was. Um, but we've gotten to a point now where the borders are open, relationships seem stable for the, for the time being, and so we were able to go there both in April and May, and it was a tremendous blessing. What a place. We were shocked at how clean, orderly, lawful, I mean, it's just 
unlike anything we've seen anywhere anywhere in any third world country and definitely in Africa. And that's not a slight against Africa. That's just the way it is here. Um, the saying, this is Africa, <laughs> exists for a reason. Uh, now, there, there's a hint of you know, African characteristics in Rwanda, of course. It, it is Africa. Uh, but the, the president there and the government there, they're very strict. It's, it's not your typical African dictatorial situation. They have integrity. They're fairly honest. The police deal with you according to the law. It's a, it's a, it's a country of laws. It's incredible. And, and could be accomplished anywhere. As our country, as America throws out that idea, countries like Rwanda are adopting it. And, and with, with that type of order comes a sense of stability. As you know, it's going to happen on a daily basis. And uh, so Rwanda's doing great. It's a beautiful country. It's just, it was just a great place to visit and to teach. I got to teach the Bible while I was there. We had about 40 men come together in, in a small Bible conference a missionary named Jeff Bassett uh, arranged it all and allowed me to be part of it. So I was able to go there and, and teach the Bible. And in two, three-hour sessions, I taught through the entire book of Nehemiah. Whew. You talk about a task, especially when you get to the uh, sections of the book that are nothing but a list of names. <laughs> That'll get you tongue-twisted quickly. So uh, that's the exciting part about Rwanda. The difficulty with Rwanda, we, we were it was our hope that we could work with BIMI to provide a a missions a recognized missions status in that country. Rwanda calls it a faith based organization, but the requirements are so stringent. I, it's looking more and more like I'm not going to be capable of being the person to do that. The the primary issue is that you, you're required to have a four-year bachelor's degree from a recognized institution. And there is some room for leeway there in terms of whether your degree could, whether a, a recognized institution could be a Bible institute from a church, or if it, if it must be an accredited organization like a university of some sort. The problem is that you're your degree, where however you got it, wherever you got it, and so mine comes from the Deland School of the Bible. Um, it cannot say certificate on it; it must say diploma. And if it says diploma, there's a good chance they let you squeak by without giving you any issues. If it says certificate, there's no chance. Um, and so, really, what's needed is someone who has a four-year degree. Even to pastor in in Rwanda, you got to have a four-year degree. Um, to start a church, I mean, the, the, the requirements are quite stringent. You have to have property. You have to have somewhere. That property has to be able to facilitate the needs of what you say you're doing. So um, if it's a missions organization, there has to be an office that, that has a parking lot. And, and you know, I mean, it's, it, the, the requirements are, are quite stringent. And so if it's a church, the church has to meet numerous uh, requirements. The building has to have soundproofing. It has to have, um, I mean, just all sorts of um, requirements you would not expect in East Africa. But the president, look, I, to, to some extent, I, I get it. I understand these things. And to another extent, I sort of wish that they didn't exist. Now, when I look, when I compare it to Uganda, Uganda is somewhat of a no man's land. You can just come and uh, start a church and a and you know they they have 
pole buildings that that <laughs> you know that are not exactly safe. There are no amenities. If you got to use the restroom, you just you either go out in the woods or you find the the hole in the ground that they've made. And that, but that's that's characteristic of much of Africa. Well, the president of Rwanda is really trying to change that in his country. He doesn't want that to be characteristic of his country. And I get that. I understand that. To some extent, I appreciate it. But it makes being a missionary in Rwanda a bit more difficult. Not impossible for the right person, but difficult. And uh, so it, it, it looks like the, these are going to be some hangups that would prevent us from being able to be the help we would like to be in Rwanda. So if you pray about that, pray the Lord would help find a resolution to those things, uh, that somebody could go into Rwanda and and plant churches and preach the gospel. There are no missionaries there. There's nobody there. Uh, there's a big need there. So um, if you would pray about that, that'd be a blessing. Now, to our June prayer letter, uh, quickly, uh, with the time that we have left here, uh, the letter opens up with 2 Corinthians 8, verses 21 through 22, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. After a brief break at Masaka Baptist College, we are back in the session and studying the latter chapters of Daniel. We've been going for two semesters now, we've been going through the book of Daniel. And it is, oh, what a book. Uh, Daniel is such a compelling, motivating, and convicting figure in God's Word. May the Lord help me to attain a fraction of His excellence, boldness, and wisdom. That that was one. That's one of the keys to Daniel. He's not only bold, but but his approach it comes from a source of boldness, but it's always with kindness and wisdom. Uh, it's it's just it's amazing. I think I, I'm guilty of it. I think many of our brethren are guilty of conflating boldness with rudeness and and that sort of in your face I'll do what I want how I want when I want type mentality um that's not how Daniel did it now the 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 opposite of that bo- both were a blessing both were right is John the Baptist so Daniel goes in and deals with kings very graciously but boldly I mean he's very honest with them John the Baptist just goes in and rips their face off <laughs> but what I would suggest is that you look at both those situations and ask yourself, which outcome do you prefer? <laughs> God doesn't rebuke either of them. God says both of them were excellent. John the Baptist, the greatest man and greatest prophet born among women. But there are consequences to our approach. Uh, you want to be bold? No problem. God says, great, that's a blessing. You want to be bold and in your face? No problem. But there will be an outcome that, that matches that. You want to be bold and, and gracious, there's an outcome that'll match that. And, and so Daniel and, and John the Baptist stand as two great examples of those things, but uh, you, you just got to determine which outcome you prefer to have. We have many dedicated students here at the Bible School. Please pray for them as they study. I mean, we, we've got a good core group of young people, and uh, they're, they're learning a lot, growing tremendously. It's, it's, it's exciting. Now, the Luganda Bible Translation Project is doing very well. As mentioned in previous prayer letters, we have a robust translation and review process to ensure the final product is accurate and readable for Buganda. Uh, to shore things up even more, 
we added a final layer of, of edit and revision needed to polish the finished copy. All Ugandans involved in the translation process will meet to review the last revision, and together they will discuss the reason and reason out the choices made in wording, grammar, etc. Uh, they will have the option to bring a chosen direction to a vote before all the men involved. This will ensure the proper level of accommodations to facilitate accuracy in, in accord with the King James Bible and readability for Luganda speakers. That's the balance we got to strike. Um, it has to be accurate in accord with the King James Bible. That, that's the pure word of God. Uh, some people whine and cry about that, but that that's all right. They'll get over it. Um, but the word of God in Luganda, coming from the King James Bible to Luganda, um, we, we've the, the difficulty is we can go word for word as best we can. You know, we if if we can't find an exact word that matches the English word, um, there there are many words that get us uh, close enough and and in, and in the range of accuracy, um, but. It has to be ordered in such a way and used in such a way to be readable and understandable to the Luganda to the Luganda speaker and and reader, and if it's not, then you failed. Uh, I'm in, in in preparing for this translation work. I really looked at the way that the Spanish Bibles have been dealt with, and of course, there's uh, primarily right now. I, I guess you could say primarily three camps. You have the you know the the uh, 1960, I believe it is, 62, something like that, Reina Valera, that, that is used, which is predominantly used in the Spanish-speaking conservative independent fundamental Baptist churches. Now, they know this Bible has problems, but, uh, and, and as I give you this rundown, I'm, I'm not giving you an opinion about these Bibles. I'm just telling you my understanding of the current situation. So if you're involved and, and, and you're part of this heated conversation, I'm not interested. I, I don't speak Spanish. I don't have an opinion about what you should use, which is better, the direction you should go. I've talked to good men on each side of this, this equation, and I, and I think my personal opinion, for what it, whatever it's worth, which is not much, is the Spanish Bible still needs work. They haven't come to a King James equivalent yet. I think most people know that, though there are a few camps who try to pretend like they don't know that. <laughs> now, I'm not going to name those camps. I'm not involved in those battles. I, I, I honestly, I don't want to say I don't care. I do care. It would be a blessing to see an entire people group, an entire language, have an accurate Bible in their language. That is infinitely important. And and so my my prayer is that all these groups can work together to to help resolve this rather than you know biting and devouring one another but anyways the the point is uh most of the conservative churches are sticking with this problematic bible because they don't they're not convinced that the new uh iterations of it uh the the 1620 purified and the gomez uh bible are complete both of these camps you know they 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 fight with each other um, and, and, and so the 1620 purified can point out numerous problems in the Gomez Bible and they're right. And the Gomez Bible can point out numerous issue issues in the 1620 purified and they're right. <laughs> so instead of both of them saying, we're just not there yet, they fight with each other and try to pretend like one or the other actually has the pure word of God in Spanish. And it's just not there yet. And, and so here's my point. And in preparation for this, I kind of studied what's going on in, in those camps to see how this is going and, and how it turned out. And 
and I came across a certain Spanish Bible that literally is a word-for-word translation from the King James Bible into Spanish, but it took it, it gave no account for readability, and so nobody uses it. It is word for word, the King James Bible, as, as, as best as possible, but nobody can use it, nobody can read it, because it's not structured in such a way to be readable to the Spanish reader. Well, I, I wanted to be as accurate to the King James Bible as possible, but it has to be readable and understandable to L- the Luganda reader, which means structuring it in such a way that that uh, is useful in Luganda. And so, so my point is, we're adding this last layer of revision, because what happens is we have uh, our, our layer one revision, which is our two translators. They each make an individual translation. Then they come together and compare their work and create a unified copy. That's level one. Level two goes to two Buganda pastors who review the level one work. They make notes on, on problems they see, suggestions they have, changes they desire, whatever whatever it is. And, and they send those notes back to the original translators. Those original translators review those notes, and they get to decide, do we make this change or not? Now, they're supposed to look at it objectively, and I believe they do, though I'm sure there is some a measure of subjective opinion in there. But, but I, I believe we've got a, a level-headed group of guys who are looking at this objectively. And if the change needs to be made to be accurate, they'll do it. Then... Once they, they do that review, that, that creates our level two unified copy. Then we take that and we send it to two American missionaries who, who have been here 20 plus years, uh, Brother Keith Stensis and Marlon Peterson. They do a third level review and their main goal is to, to look at it as Luganda, as Luganda speakers coming from an English perspective. Uh, they, they look at it from that direction, and then they make a list of notes and issues or changes they suggest, whatever the case may be, and they send those notes back to the same original translators. They do a review of those notes, make changes as they deem necessary. Now, throughout the entire process, the two original translators have had the liberty to make the choice on what they think should go in. Now, to combat that and make sure it's it's not a uh, somewhat of a, of a biased, subjective final copy, we're going to do a final review where the, the, the two Luganda pastors and the two Luganda uh, translators, Buganda translators, they all come together and they have to reason out the choices they made. And if one person or another doesn't like it, then they can bring it to a vote. And so out of the four of them, they, they vote on what they think should go in. And again, as long as it's accurate and readable, it, they get their way. They, the majority, uh, you know, out of that voting process, the majority will get their way. And then if it comes to a tie, if it's two and two, then they'll call one of the other two, Brother Keith or Brother Marlin, uh, inform them of what's going on, and then they'll, they'll, one of those men will be the tiebreaker, and, and that's how it will go. And so with that last level of review, we really open the door for, for uh, more input from, from a broader audience because, again, it has to be accurate. And it has to be readable. And, and we've got to have both. And I've got guys on my team who lean more towards the readable. And I've got guys like Brother Gross who lean more towards the accurate. <laughs> and so they're hardcore in each direction. And so I think this coming together and, and reasoning it out and discussing it uh, will, will, will help 
resolve the issue. They're all very reasonable men. We just got to give them an opportunity to voice their their concerns and and to talk about it. And and this is very similar. This process is very similar to the process that the King James translators went to when making the King James Bible. And that's the goal. So praise the Lord. That's that's the Bible. Now, with this in mind, the book of Genesis is nearly complete. Praise the Lord. Exodus is moving fast to completion, and Leviticus will soon follow. So those three books could be done back to back over the next one to three months, depending on if there are any hangups or, or um, you know, we we have certain pauses now and then with uh, TBI or uh, if the church is having a missions conference or whatever the case may be. Uh, sometimes the the work just gets put on temporary hold. But but I mean, these guys are dedicated; they're doing a great job. It's it's exciting. I can't wait to get these books done. Um, Lord willing, the first three books could be finished within a month or two. This means the men have much work. Their spirits and zeal remain high, but please pray they keep interest and motivation. Our current group of men are dedicated to the work, have great character, strong work ethic, and love the Word of God. So so keep these men in prayer, please. Um, Partway through June, we were blessed to have another special visitor, Owen Cadenhead. The son of missionary Lee Cadenhead will be staying with us for about two months. As a young man, he seeks direction for his future. As he approaches that unnecessarily magical age of 18, there's something about that age that, you know, that, now I, I'm not saying this about Brother brother Lee and, and Brother Owen. I, I think Lee Cadenhead has raised his children with an intense focus on their future, but the majority of America raises their children. They, they are raised with the idea that you can goof off and play games and, and be involved in dance and um, all sorts of useless activities until they're 18. And then when they turn 18, it's like, okay, well, now you got to be an adult. Say, like, but you let me play for 18 years and now you want me to be an adult? <laughs> well, that's not fair. Uh, so uh, Owen is intensely focused. Um, he's an unbelievably talented young man. He, 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 wants to, he wants the Lord's guidance and direction for his future. So please pray we can help Owen and pray for him as he seeks the Lord's will and guidance on what to do next. That's ultimately what he wants to do. He's going to spend some time with us and then go spend some time with uh, another missionary named Blake Muscott, good friend of mine in Virginia Beach, part of the the uh, seamen mission type ministries. And uh, it's exciting. So it'll be a good opportunity for, for Brother Owen. And uh, the goal is to just have him spend some time with a few men, uh, think about his future, make some preparations, and then soon he's off. He's on his own. So... Pray for him. Continue to pray for Kristen. Her class on biblical motherhood has been tremendously fruitful. The mothers who apply the teaching demonstrate goodly Ugandan homes. It is a blessing to see. It's exciting. Uh, They ask great questions, teach their children well, memorize scripture with their children, and teach their children hymns and psalms. And they are further motivated by the results. When they see that it works, they get so excited. They love it. They come back and they tell Kristen all these stories and, and they, they kind of give these testimonies about how, how great things are going. So praise God for that. Uh, Kristen is an excellent wife and mother. Of course, I am biased, but for good reason, and uh, has been a great example to the ladies here. Now, finally, please pray for a blessed couple in our church here, Brother Okwani Quinto and Atoke Sarah. Uh, they are engaged to get married, which is, again, a, a blessing. They want to do things right. 
Um, these two are a tremendous blessing, and we believe this should prove to be a wonderful connection that, are, that will honor and glorify the Lord. Uh, I have the privilege of leading them through their pre-marriage counseling, and they greatly desire to do right, uh, which is rare in Uganda. It's, it's a rarity to see a couple willing to go through this, this difficult process. So, um, of course, per the, the culture here, uh, they will have to put, put out quite a bit of money to properly marry. Um, they want to do it with, they've got to do it as, as best they can with in accordance with the culture, which is, is somewhat frustrating. Uh, and they also want to do it primarily in a biblical manner. That's, that's their primary goal and aim. So pray with, pray for them so that they can get through this. This is, this is quite expensive for a young couple just starting in life. The dowry requirements often motivate young people to live in fornication because somehow the families will allow them to live together in fornication, but if they want to get married, they are required to pay a hefty dowry. It, it, it's so frustrating. If they want to get married, the family demands a large amount of money. If they just want to live together and play married, no problem. But the moment you come and, I mean, that some of these couples live together for five, ten years, have four or five children together, and then they get saved and want to get their life together and want to get married. So they have to go back to the parents and say, we shouldn't have done that. We want to get married. And the parents say, well, we need cows. We need goats. We need a cultural spear. We need, um, I mean, they have a, a, a whole list of things that they are required to buy to enrich the family in order to get their marriage right. It, it, it can be difficult and it can be frustrating. Uh, so please pray these two have the resolve and the financial means to carry through and meet all the family requirements for marriage. Uh, it, it's expensive. And Brother Quinto is the kind of man who, who has prepared, but, but it's just, it's a daunting task for a Ugandan. Um, you know, they, their salaries are not huge and, and these families put great demand on them. And so um, they're trying their best to do right and trying their best to facilitate the requirements Please pray for them that they can get through this, and and the Lord will supply all their need, and and we'll we'll sure thank you for it and praise you for it. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening, and um, uh, from myself, Kristen, Bethany, and Adrian, we're, we're sure thankful for you. Those of you who listen and read our prayer letters and support us, and and all that you do for us, God's been so good to us. Uh, we do have some exciting announcements coming up that I hope to make available to you in the month of July. There are some things incoming that you'll be you'll want to know about, and so I look forward to making those announcements. But you'll have to come back and listen to hear them, or or, or go read our prayer letter. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.